Good to worship together. Thank the worship team again for their talents, sharing their talents and leading us in worship, helping us, you know, address God in a good way. You know, when we look out at our world, we can see a lot of good and we can see a lot of bad, can't we? We can see the beauty of creation. We can be amazed at the creation. We can see how everything works in concert, you know, to give us life. We can see the abundance that the earth provides or produces, the raw materials that come from the earth that allow us to build and design and create. We can experience the enjoyment and kindness of family and good friends and people who care. There's good that we experience in that way. But you know, we also see poverty and hunger, a lack of shelter for many. We see sickness and injury. We see disease. We see people who lack sufficient amounts of water. We see corruption in the workplace and in the governments. We see dictators that horribly persecute followers of Christ as well as people from other faiths. And of course, we just witnessed a deranged young adult walking into a school building and murdering, you know, 19 children and two teachers. You know, it's almost as if someone came in and just messed up God's perfect creation, his beautiful creation. Like they've taken what was meant for good and then selfishly used it for their own evil means, corrupting that which was meant for helpfulness and good and kindness and used it for evil. And you know, I found out who was behind this corruption of our, our earth. It's a certain segment of our world called humanity. And we actually did that in the Garden of Eden, didn't we? We listened to the voice of Satan and fell for his scheme that we could know as much as God. And that God was trying to hold something back from us. And that infected all of humanity throughout this age. And it has brought so much evil into the world. I mean, it affected even the universe, not just people, not just the earth, but the whole universe. Sin did. And we have seen throughout human history both beauty and goodness, as well as corruption and evil, and how sin has taken its toll in a very, very horrible way. Now, you know, all through history, people have tried to, <clears throat> you know, come up with solutions on how to make things better, maybe even to get rid of some corruption, because we see that negative effect of sin. But these solutions never have seemed to stop the problem, have they? In fact, some of the solutions have created even more problems. So, what about hope for this world? Well, you know, I want to show you a man this morning who was a very, very strong follower of God 
In fact, he was a close disciple of Jesus Christ while Jesus was on the earth. But even this close disciple of Jesus, who loved Jesus very much, lost hope for humanity at some point because of the sin in the world. So, last week we saw in Revelation chapter 4 that the Apostle John was allowed to look through this door into the throne room of heaven. And he saw amazing things in this throne room of heaven. He saw this beautiful, glorious throne in heaven, you know, with resplendent with precious metals. And upon the throne was God himself seated in absolute glory with heavenly creatures surrounding him, offering them, him their praise. And they continually praised God just over and over because of his overwhelming glory and goodness. It's like they couldn't stop themselves from praising him. But now I'd like you to see that even in the presence of God himself, John the Apostle, as he's had this amazing vision and as he's had this opportunity that, you know, people don't get, he even loses hope for this earth because of the corruption. So I want you to follow with me as I read Revelation chapter 5 and verses 1 through 4 to begin with. Here's John, and we're coming right off of chapter 4 where he saw the amazing throne room and the glorious God sitting on the throne. He said, Then I saw the right hand of him who sat on the throne, a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. Keeps the, the uh, scroll tight, shut. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. John the Apostle, at this point, he's devastated. He's grieving. He's weeping and weeping. He's extremely emotional. He's in the presence of God himself, and God is holding that scroll that has the answer to the earth's problems, the problems of mankind. It's right there within reach. It has seven seals, and, and it can't be opened only by somebody who's worthy to open it. The angel's question was, who is worthy? And it says, no one could be found in heaven or on earth, under the earth. No one was eligible. No one was qualified. No one was worthy to open this scroll. So it appears at that point, there is no answer to all of the sin and corruption and maybe we feel that way at times. We feel like there's no answer. I mean, how is it going to stop? And so John is weeping and weeping. He wept and wept because it didn't seem like they were going to be able to open the scroll. 
And this is their only hope of finding the solution to the problems of mankind was to be able to open that scroll. So John, John feels totally defeated, totally helpless, even in the presence of God, the glorious God. Now my question is, can you relate at times to that feeling of hopelessness that John feels? You know, it may come in different types, different areas of your life. It could be a family member or a family matter. It could be a marriage that's sinking. It could be something at work or in your pursuit of your vocation that just seems to be going downhill. It could be a wrecked friendship that was going on for decades and all of a sudden it's not there. It could be a serious health problem or money problem could be things happening in our world. Where are we headed? Where is this going to end? You know, we in America, in our instance, we've seen how fast things that were trustworthy, taken for granted, have become totally unpredictable almost overnight. So John says he wept and he wept because no one was worthy to open the scroll. He's devastated. And here it is. The answer is right there. It's the scroll. God has it in his right hand. But there's no one that they have found in heaven and on earth that could open the scroll or look inside. But then we have verse 5. Then one of the elders, that was one of the heavenly, I think they were some kind of heavenly uh, creature up there, one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. There's hope. There's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Now, what's that? Well, it comes from way back in Genesis chapter 49. And Jacob... The patriarch, who has the 12 sons, the 12 tribes of Israel, he's on his deathbed and he's giving a blessing to each of his sons, kind of telling them how God is going to use them and what God is going to do with them. And I want you to listen to what he says in Genesis chapter 49. Listen to what he says to Judah. He says, Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. You are a lion's cub, Judah. You return from the prey, my son. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down, like a lioness. Who dares to rouse him? The scepter will not depart from Judah. That's a kingly statement there. A ruling statement. Nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until he to whom it belongs shall come and the obedience of the nations shall be his. That is a prophecy about the coming Messiah. It was given by the patriarch Jacob to his son Judah in about 1860 B.C. 
Jacob prophesies that the scepter will not depart from Judah. So it will be a descendant of Judah will be the, the everlasting king, the eternal king. And it says, the obedience of the nations shall be his. The lion of the tribe of Judah. Lion represents power and strength and is a, is, became a symbolic name for the Davidic throne. And so, God the Father is holding the, the, the scroll. Nobody can open it. And John is crying and crying, weeping and weeping. He says, don't worry. It's the lion of the tribe of Judah that can open it. And then he talks about the root of David. That comes from chapter 11 of Isaiah. Chapter 11. Let me read you just a few verses. I don't have them up here. In chapter 11 of uh, Isaiah, it talks about a shoot that will come up from the stump of Jesse. Jesse was David's grandfather. It says, The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. And this is going to be the Messiah. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. And then it says, on down a little bit, with righteousness, this is the Messiah, with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, with the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness with the sash around his waist. And probably you've all heard this. <clears throat> this is the kingdom, the eternal kingdom. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den. The young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. <clears throat> So what we're talking about here is God eventually reclaiming his creation that has been corrupted, that has, sin has come down and devastated. He's reclaiming his creation, which he created in perfect beauty, but was hijacked by Satan because we let Satan do that. We, we fell for his tricks. And the answer to reclaiming this this earth is contained in the scroll, but no one on earth was able to open the scroll. And that's why John wept and wept, because no one could be found that could open the scroll. But then they said, hey, don't worry, don't weep. Someone's here to open the scroll. The Lion of Judah, the Root of David, because he has triumphed, and he is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. Okay, there's the answer right there. 
What does that mean? Well, we're going to find out why this Lion of Judah, the Root of David, why is he worthy to open the scroll? Which is God being able to reclaim the earth. Look at verses 10 through 14. <clears throat> Let's see here. Oh, six through eight. Sorry. Had something else there. Six through eight. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. They're telling John, don't worry, there's somebody here that can open the scroll. And he sees the lamb. It was the Lion of Judah, now it's the lamb. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat at the throne from the hand of God. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and 24 elders fell down before the lamb. <clears throat> one more. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. The lamb is the same person that was the lion of Judah. The lion of Judah is the lamb of God. And the lion of Judah gives this person the right to rule. Judah is the tribe from which the king is going to arise, going to emerge. And the lamb is the one who's agreed to pay the sacrifice or to sacrifice in order to pay for the sins of the world. And Jesus chose to become the Lamb of God. He chose to become that sacrificial paschal lamb that would deal with the sins of the world. And John sees this lamb as one who has been slain. He has the appearance of a lamb that was slain. And it had seven horns. That, that represents power because animals with horns, that's how they fight. That's how they win the victory. It has seven eyes, which are the seven spirits, but eyes, lots of eyes on a creature in the heaven shows that they can see everything. Nothing gets past them. It's full of wisdom and knowledge. And the seven spirits, they go out to do the work of God throughout the world. This person whom John saw in the throne room of God, he was going to be the only one in existence that could deliver the kingdom to God. You know, sin has come in. Satan tricked us. Uh, he got us to follow him. But no one else could save us. Who was qualified? Who was eligible? Who was worthy to fulfill that role? It's the lamb. It's the lion of Judah, the root of David. And it says, he took the scroll from the right hand of God and all of the heavenly creatures surrounding the throne of God, fell down before him. Now, <clears throat> here's God in all his glorious splendor. You know, the Father, the Creator, the, you know, the one who is everything. And they're all worshiping God, the Father, all these creatures in heaven. And then all of a sudden... When he takes the scroll, when the lamb takes the scroll, the Lion of Judah, they worship the lamb. It shows you that he is equal to God. He also is deity. He also is sovereign. 
and part of the Trinity. Now they're falling down to worship the Lamb, what really shows us that the Lamb is worthy. Now I'm going to read here to the end of the chapter, and we're going to see why he's worthy. We're going to go from here to verse 14. Make sure I get okay. <laughs> it's giving me trouble, Daniel. It said, each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And when, when Jesus took the, the scroll from the Father's hand, they bowed down and they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. That's us. We're going to reign on the earth, on the eternal earth. John says, Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. Do you know what that literally is? 10,000 times 10,000? It's 100 million. <laughs> I don't think he's being actually literal. He's, it just means you can't count them. They're just, but who knows how many angels there are in existence, how many God created. But there's just this massive amount of creatures in heaven who are there for different reasons and they worship God. It says... They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. Those are other creatures in heaven. In a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The reason that the Lion of Judah, the Lamb of God, was qualified or worthy to take the scroll and no one else, everywhere they looked, no one else existed that could because he was willing and he was willing to step in and take the place of every sinner who would ever sin, which is everybody, even though he himself was sinless, and his perfect sacrifice, the blood that he shed, purchased for God people, whoever would turn to him from every nation, every language, every people. Any person who will turn to him in repentance of their sins, accept his gift of forgiveness, Acknowledging that that's the only way we can make it, we have that strong, solid hope of salvation because it's Christ. It's not us. And he has made each one of us who's willing to do that, to humble ourselves, he's made us kings and priests. 
Those are two real high offices all throughout the Old Testament, kings and priests. And we're going to live forever in God's kingdom as kings and priests because we will rule with Jesus. But we will worship him for eternity. So that's what we have. And the scroll and the seals contain the judgments from God that he's going to pour out upon the earth as he defeats the armies of the world. I've said this a number of times, but it's so amazing to me that things are going to get so bad in the end that the armies of the world are going to come and try to stop Jesus from reclaiming his earth. Whoa. (laughs) I mean, they're actually going to come... And they're going to try to stop him from landing on the earth to reclaim his earth. And they'll be like dust. I mean, he just wipes them out with the word from his mouth. But I can't even believe they're going there to stop him. But that's how, it's called hubris, overweening pride that just makes you do something that's just totally irrational. And in these chapters 4 and 5, we have seen who are the rightful rulers of God's creation, and we've seen who is actually worthy to rule. It's the Father and the Son. And now, from this time on in our study of Revelation, we're going to see how God begins to take back his earth. Now, you know, sometimes we question God in the way he chooses to do things. That happens a lot. Why did God do this? Why did God allow this? How come I'm in this situation? Why did he take so long to send the Messiah? Why doesn't he stop so much more evil than he does? Why does he allow our world to be hurt by evil people? Why is God, why does he make those kind of plans? Why does he wait till all that time before he comes and takes over the world? Well, you know something? Just like we saw in these passages, just like we saw in heaven, everybody worshiping God, all those countless creatures, we've never seen that. There's so much that we've never seen. There's so much we don't know. There's so much that God has taken care of through different means throughout the time as he's developed nations and kingdoms and taking care of things throughout the earth. We don't have the full picture. One day we will know. We will know why God did it the way he did. And I know that we will say that was the way it had to be done. That was the righteous way. And on that day we will fall in line happily with all those in heaven, the four living creatures, the 24 elders, the 100 million angels. And we will sing joyously with them. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And we will never question him again. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this insight that you've given us in the book of Revelation. It can help us to better understand, even though there's so much we still don't understand. 
But teach us, Lord, help us to have the faith to trust in you even when we can't come up with the answer. And we know that you're doing so much more than we can see. And you will take care of evil because you hate it worse than we do. And you will reclaim the earth. And you will allow us to rule as kings and priests on the earth under you. And so, Lord, thank you for your gift. Thank you for the land that was worthy, worthy to sacrifice himself to pay for the sins of the world. And thank you for your wonderful plan of salvation and redemption. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.